So last week, we began our celebration of the Easter season with a brief look at the very first people to hear and tell about the resurrection of Jesus. That little band of loyal ladies who went very early that first Easter Sunday morning to the tomb only to find that it was empty. An angel told them that Jesus was risen. Mary Magdalene had a direct encounter with the Lord himself. But when they went and told the guys about it all, the Bible says in Luke chapter 24, they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Luke 24, 11. And that very sad but nevertheless true statement brings us to this week's gospel lesson from John chapter 20. I just want to read a portion of it, the first little bit. And that's what I want to share with you on this morning. I'm going to read John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. This is what the Bible says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And I want us to talk about it just a little bit this morning. Now, twice in this very short passage of Scripture, Jesus looks at his disciples, people just like you and just like me, and says, peace to you. The New International Version translates it as, peace be with you. Erene humin in Greek, literally, peace to you. And I want us to take a few minutes this morning and consider what that means and why Jesus said that. The very first time in this passage, Jesus spoke peace to his followers was immediately upon his arrival. In verse 19, John 20, 19, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, to be honest, I suspect it was pretty important for him to open up that way. After all, if someone you knew for certain to be dead suddenly appeared in front of you, well, you might want a little peace to be, be with you in that moment as well. These guys were already skittish, the Bible tells us they were frightened. They were locked in a room for fear, the Bible says. You can imagine what that's like, I trust. Every little noise makes you jump. Every, every little bump, every little creak. What was that? Who was that? Did somebody hear something? Did somebody see something? And it was, and it was suddenly into that atmosphere of tension, into that fear-filled, locked room that Jesus appears out of nowhere. No wonder his first words were peace to you. And I got to tell you, I believe when Jesus says peace to you, I believe peace comes to you. It reminds me of that scene in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, many of the people from Narnia, the, the white witch had turned them into statues, turned them into stone. And Aslan begins to walk among them and just breathe on them. And as he breathes on each one, they, they all begin to return to life. I believe in that moment in John chapter 20 that Jesus did more than simply say peace to you. I believe in that moment Jesus actually conferred his peace on his people. And I believe he wants to do exactly the same thing for you and for me as well. 
And I've experienced times like that in my own life, times when the Lord has spoken a word to me. Maybe I was reading the Bible and, and I just heard the Lord speaking to me through it. Maybe it was just a quiet voice of the Holy Spirit speaking down inside to my spirit. But in that moment, with that word, the peace of the Lord would come. The word of the Lord would become in that moment a means of grace, a conduit of his peace and of his grace to me. Maybe you've had similar experiences to that. For what it's worth, I believe that's supposed to be pretty common for the people of God. I believe, for example, that you are supposed to experience a real impartation of peace. Every time we pronounce that ironic blessing at the close of one of our worship services, I believe that as you hear those words of Scripture, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. I believe every time you hear those words, it is the Lord's intention to actually confer his peace upon you. His blessing, his grace, and his peace. Because the word of God, listen, the word of God was never meant just to be words. At any rate, Jesus speaks peace to his disciples at that moment, and I believe peace begins to come to them. So once again, if you could put yourself in that situation just a little bit, you're sitting in this locked room and suddenly somebody pops into the room. I don't know about you, but if I had been one of those disciples in that moment, I am confident two questions would have immediately popped into my mind. Who are you and why are you here? Who are you and what are you doing here? And even though the text doesn't say so, I believe exactly those questions popped into the minds of the disciples as well, based on what Jesus does next. I believe almost certainly the first thing that popped in their mind was, who are you? Because Jesus immediately goes and shows them. The Bible says in John 20, 19 and 20, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side, the Bible says. He showed them his scars, the places where the nails and the spear had pierced him because the marks of the crucifixion had become the hallmarks of Jesus. The telltale signs by which his followers from that moment on and forever would come to know him. In sign language, the sign for Jesus is this, indicating the nail prints in his hands. Before Jesus showed them the marks in his hands, the disciples weren't entirely sure who it was. But when they saw those scars, their doubts just melted away. The Bible says when they saw those scars, John 20, 20, the disciples were overjoyed. In many ways, I believe it was when they saw those scars that they really began to see Jesus himself. It's a very powerful thing, I think, that Jesus has chosen to carry those scars with him right on into his eternal glory. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John was taken up to heaven, allowed to see things that, that were still to come. And in one of the scenes he saw, he saw Jesus, and he described him this way in Revelation chapter 5. He described him as a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. Forever, proudly, he bears the scars. It was the scars that convinced them this was Jesus. Jesus and not some interloper. Jesus and not some imposter. Jesus and not some sort of ghost. 
They saw the scars and knew it was Jesus. And the Bible says they were overjoyed when they saw him. But if their first question had been, who are you? The second question almost certainly had to be, why are you here? What are you doing? And let me begin by explaining to you why Jesus was not there. Because clearly Jesus was not there to let them have it for all they'd done wrong. Peter had denied him three times. The others had forsaken him and fled. None of them had believed the ladies when they told them what had happened earlier that morning. And yet when Jesus came to them in that locked room, he did not open with, shame on you. Oh, he could have, and nobody really could have blamed him. He told them over and over and over again what was going to happen. But instead of the words, shame on you, Jesus spoke the words, peace to you. Because that was his mission, and that was what he'd come to bring. He'd come to replace their shame with peace with God instead. And I believe that's very much how Jesus wants to address you and me right now. He could probably look at any of us right at this moment and say, shame on you, with good reason. But I believe he preferred to look at you and say, peace. Peace to you. Peace with God through Jesus. Ever since the fall of man, people have lived their lives trapped in sin and shame. Jesus came not to replay that, but to replace it. As Jesus himself said earlier in John chapter 3, verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To condemn the world would have been redundant. Jesus came to a world that was already condemned. He died and he rose again in order to save it from its own condemnation. Jesus said, peace to you. And then he showed them where that peace comes from. The Bible says he showed them his hands and his side. He showed them the marks of their salvation purchased in his own flesh. He showed them exactly where he had been pierced for their transgressions. He showed them exactly where he had been bruised for their iniquities. The marks of his punishment that bring us peace. The wounds by which we are healed. He showed them those wounds right after he spoke peace to them. Because it is through those wounds that we have peace with God. Jesus did not come back from the grave in order to say, shame on you. Jesus came back from the grave in order to offer you new life in him. The life with God lived for God that you were created and designed to live. Listen, whatever the sins of your past, however long your list of regrets, however embarrassing your failures, Jesus rose from the dead to give you the chance to exchange them all for real and lasting peace with God. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, 
Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus did not come initially to condemn you. And he did not come back from the grave to condemn you. Rather, he came both those times to do his level best to save you, to change you and make you who and what you were called and created and designed to be. And that brings us to the second time in this passage, Jesus speaks peace to his disciples. In verse 21, the Bible says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And here you find the commission that always comes as a part of this great salvation. Because the life with God you were created to live is a life lived for God as well. A life spent on God and his purposes. It's a sent life, a missionary life, a life in which you live every day on a mission for the Lord. It's a life spent loving God and loving people, serving God and blessing people. Life the way Jesus lived it. In his very first epistle, the apostle John put it this way. In 1 John 4, verses 16 and 17, he says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, we are like him. Jesus said, in essence, get out there and live like I have. Get out there and, and act like me. As God has sent me, Jesus said, I am sending you. Here is the great commission as found in John's gospel. Go out there and make disciples. Go out there and share the good news of the gospel. Go out there and love your neighbor. Go out there and love your enemies. Go out there and lay down your life so that others might live. So that others might come to know the peace with God in Jesus that you know. And to be sure, it will not always be easy. The truth is, to live that way is going to cost you. And so with this commission, Jesus once again speaks his peace on his children. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And because he is the same yesterday and today and forever, these things he said back in John chapter 20 are just as true for you and I today as it was true for the disciples back then. Right now, right now, I believe Jesus is speaking his peace to you, saying, peace to you, I am risen. Peace to you, I am with you. Peace to you, the Father loves you and is willing to forgive you because of me. Peace to you is forever settled today and tomorrow and the rest of your life because of these scars on my hands and my side. And right now, I believe he is also commissioning you to send you out afresh, to take the peace you have in him and to try and share it with the people around you to rely on the peace you have in him so that when you encounter difficult people, when you encounter them in difficult places, you have the peace with God to help you share the love of God with them. Because he has risen, the things he said way back then are still true for you and me today. And may we all leave this service this morning 
and go out and live like it's true of us. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you so much, as always, for the power and the clarity of your word, for showing us who you are and who you've called us to be. We thank you for the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the new life he brings to us through that resurrection. May we go out and live in the peace of God, and we, may we go out and share that God living in this world as he has lived, bringing others to you through him. In Jesus' name, amen, hallelujah, and amen.